Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, my guess is that you won't be surprised when I tell you that Christianity has always been about evangelizing, about spreading the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. From the very beginning, Christians have always seen it their duty to make sure that as many people as possible hear the message that God has come near to us in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Rather than limiting this news to one race or one nation or one language, Christians have from the beginning sought to obey Jesus's command to go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, we get that. So it may come as a surprise to discover that in our reading today, our God is said to be a God who hides. And not only does God hide, but according to Jesus, hiding is a good and gracious thing for God to do. I mean, listen to Jesus' words. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things. He's talking here about the gospel from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So what are we to make of this? As Christians, we're supposed to be about the spread of the gospel, and yet here Jesus is thanking God for hiding the gospel. Sure, God is also at the same time revealing it to some, but it doesn't change the fact that it is apparently God's gracious will to hide the gospel from some while revealing it to others. Before I go any further, let me take a moment to warn you of something. This mysterious freedom that God has, that God chooses at one moment to reveal and at another moment to hide, it's a scandal. It's a scandalous thing to us that God would make choices in revealing the gospel, that God would apparently choose to reveal to some and not to reveal to others, or at least to delay the revelation to others. And if you're hoping that maybe uh, in this sermon I'll be able to explain that scandal away so it's not scandalous for you anymore, that I'll offer some reasonable explanation of why God will do, uh, has to do things this way and not some other way, well, you're probably going to come away disappointed. We're never going to be able to logically deduce God's reasons for acting in this way, and God has not chosen to reveal this to us, except to say things like we find, for example, in uh, Isaiah 55, where God says this, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. They're simply out of reach for us. I mean, this isn't to say that people haven't tried. Uh, people have, uh, throughout the centuries, uh, been trying to come up with nice, neat, and tidy theories uh, to answer this question. Theories to explain why God chooses to reveal, at, to, uh, to reveal at some times and to hide at other times. Uh, the most popular one currently in American Christianity, maybe this is a theory you're familiar with, is that God reveals the gospel whenever people make the choice to believe. That is, God sits back and waits for people to make Jesus the Lord of their life or to ask Jesus into their heart or to make their decision for Christ or something like that. And then God steps in and reveals it to them. According to this theory, God respects our supposedly free will too much 
to simply force belief on us, but rather wants it to be a choice. Well, that sounds nice to us. It allows us to stay uh, and be the masters of our own fate. We get to be the decision makers at the end of the day. It's always something we like. And it nicely places all the blame for unbelief squarely at the feet of those unbelievers, whoever they might be out there. But it doesn't hold up to Scripture. Because again and again, the Bible makes clear that left to ourselves and our supposedly free will, we will always choose to reject God. Our free choice is always against God, not for God. So if your salvation relies on you choosing correctly, well, then you are most assuredly damned. Rather, God is the one who chooses in spite of our rejection. As Paul puts it in Romans 5, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. All these theories which people come up with to try and explain why God hides at certain times and reveals in other times, well, they suffer from the same basic problem, and it's this. They try to portray the gospel in terms of the law. That is, they try and make the salvation given in Jesus Christ into a formula that can be solved and used by us for our own benefit rather than simply trusting in the promise given to us in Jesus Christ. But God's promise of salvation will never make sense in terms of the law. The gospel will never be explainable in terms of the measuring sticks we use to determine who is worthy or the standards which we use to judge or even by our own supposedly free will because if it were, it would not be the gospel anymore. If salvation was given to those who met the bar, no matter how low you put the bar, it would cease to be grace and would simply be a matter of watered down law. And if you know anything about human nature, you know that no matter how low we put that bar, we will continue to find a way to trip over it. You see, under the law, all of life is divided. It's divided up into all these different categories, these different scales, which we use to distinguish ourselves from others and on which we are always trying to find the right place to be. So in politics, for example, we're always positioning ourselves on that scale that runs from, from liberal, this is your left, to conservative uh, or, or moderate in between. And we're trying to convince everyone that this particular spot we've staked out on this scale, wherever it may be, is the right one, whether it's uh, left, right, or center. Or with our money, we're trying to strike the right balance on the scale between being frugal and enjoying what we have, or maybe between providing for our own wants and needs and providing for the wants and needs of others. Or to use the example that Jesus uses at the beginning of this reading with our food, trying to strike that balance between undereating and overeating. Even in matters of faith, we find ourselves on another scale, another balance, balancing uh, these two quotes of Jesus from Matthew's gospel to proclaim it from the housetops or to go in the inner room and pray in secret. No matter where you turn, you will find these scales and people trying to identify the right and proper place to be on these scales whether it's masculine and feminine, rich and poor, traditional and progressive, serious and fun-loving, the list goes on. You could probably fill in some blanks yourself. 
And so it's natural for us to think that the gospel, when it comes in, fits into these old categories, that, that God chooses according to where we find ourselves or where we place ourselves on these scales. That being Christian means getting the balances right. That to be Christian means, for example, something like being just conservative enough to honor family values without being mean. Or maybe being generous, but within reason. Or letting people know you're a Christian, but without becoming pushy, and so on. But the gospel doesn't work that way. The gospel doesn't fit into these old categories. In fact, just the opposite. It is like uh, those, that new wine put in old wineskins that bursts these categories, these scales apart. Or as Jesus puts it in our reading today, the gospel is hidden from the wise and the intelligent, which is what we call people who are very good at placing themselves on these scales and revealed to infants who don't even know there's any scales at all. God hides from us in terms of the law and the old life under it in order to be found by us in Jesus Christ in the gospel. If God were to come to us in those old categories, it would just simply leave us under the law. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians, the law is the power of sin. So God, in order to be truly gracious, comes to us in a way that seems scandalously foolish, even irresponsible, freely choosing, not according to our own worthiness, but according to God's gracious will, hiding from the wise and the intelligent and revealing to those infants who know nothing. See, the gospel is hidden from us because it is something entirely different from our life under the law. It has nothing to do with balance, but with paradoxical extremes, that we are at one and the very same time entirely sinners and yet completely forgiven, that we are at one and the same time claimed by God's hidden secret in the gospel and yet proclaiming that secret to everyone so that it may be no secret at all. Or, as Martin Luther put it, we are perfectly free, lords of all, subject to none, and at the very same time, perfectly dutiful slaves to all, subject to all. When God comes to us in this scandalous and foolish way, when the Holy Spirit decides to break through our unbelief and rejection and reveal Jesus Christ to us, we are truly set free. No longer must we live in the bondage of finding the right balance on those old scales, but rather we find ourselves living freely in the life of Christ. No longer is it about liberal or conservative, but Christ. No longer is it about fasting or gluttony, but Christ. No longer is it about frugality or generosity, but Christ. And this is impossible for the world to make sense of. Just as the world under the law could not understand Jesus before the cross, so now it cannot make sense of his Christians after the cross. And so, dear Christians, brothers and sisters in the promise, now is the time for God to stop hiding from you in these supposedly wise words and to instead reveal himself to you in the foolishness of a promise spoken through a sinner like me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive you your sins. 
you are released from your bondage of balancing the scales. You are set free to transgress all wisdom and understanding in Jesus' name. And above all, you are God's chosen, God's beloved, and in you, God delights. Amen.